Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating and a positive review, pause this recording and do that now. I know you're out there and you have not yet reviewed us. The Apple podcast algorithm loves reviews. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an Anglican priest. Chris, there is only one answer to this question now that it's Advent. How are you? Hopeful. (laughs) Expectant. Apocalyptic. How are you? Eh, I'm all right. I'm uh, I'm fighting a little bug. Uh, it's got me, you know, when you, you've got a cold and the symptoms aren't that bad yet in the early days, but you just feel run down. That's I do. I, I do. Yeah. I just feel run down and both, both just like energy wise, but also like concentration wise, like, the, hard, like the so. first trimester of pregnancy. I, I would or equate I my cold. <laughs> I would definitely equate my cold to uh, the tribe first trimester of, of any pregnancy maybe maybe the worst third of pregnancies all of that. <laughs> yeah so um do you have a good thanksgiving uh break uh your kids were off do you guys do anything fun uh we we, Kirk, we did a lot of things but as i'm you saying all this, the would things? you turn off your vpn you're getting a little choppy in in uh I'm worried about your internet connection. Um, Kirk, we did so many fun things over Thanksgiving. It would be hard to even catalog them all. We went to see Encanto, the Ooh. new uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda Disney animated musical that that uh, is takes place in Colombia. Uh, we uh, we went. We have like a Top Golf knockoff. Uh, it's called Great Shots. We went golfing at at a driving range. We. Uh, Isaac got to go climbing, uh, Jordan did swimming. I mean, we did all, all the things, uh, so, so many, so, so many things that I can't even remember all of it. We did an escape room, Kirk, did I tell you about that? Uh, on the episode. Yes, last you week? did. Yes. Okay. All right. And, and right. would you tell the listeners, um, how you did in the escape room? <laughs> uh, well, they let us out. Does that mean that we were victorious? <laughs> so you escaped. That's the point of it, right? Yeah, we escaped. Uh, you know, I mean, it, did it, they let you out out of pity? Did you plead for mercy? Uh, our time was up, and uh, we did not solve all the puzzles. Uh, I think How there's close a learning were you? curve. Uh, we thought we were close, but I mean, Kirk, there are so many red herrings, and but also, um, just so many puzzles to figure out that I feel like having done one now, finally, 
I would go into the next one a little bit more uh, prepared. I mean, this one had a pretty low success rate anyway, in general, but I mean, we thought we were close, but there were still so many puzzles left for, cause the, she told us kind of the ones that we didn't get. Um, and like so many secret compartments and you, you read this, po- you, this poem and you got her blow this candle out then then that one and that in the right order <laughs> and then this happens and it's it, it was unbelievably elaborate and uh it was fun it was fun that's great but but again we we uh did not make it out no yeah i'm sorry about that yeah um we did we did a uh did i did i, did I talk about this already we did the uh bounce house and um it was it was great there was a one hilarious moment where uh, Daphne started to climb something. When you say like, bounce house, you're 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 referring yeah, to like basically a big trampoline, like zone. all the tra- like yeah yeah. So they but but it's also got a climbing wall and yes, it's got climbing, jousting yep. and jousting, all the, all the trampoline uh, things. Wait, yeah. American Ninja Warrior courses, yeah yeah, yep. where you can play like um, dodgeball, like jumping dodgeball, yep. essentially. Yeah. Um, and Daphne, was what? Oh, Daphne, she uh, decided she wanted to climb. There are these like basically series of ascending bollards in a circle. Can you picture what I'm saying? Sure. Like ascending yeah, yeah. pillars. And uh, of course, they well, hook uh, you up to this rope. Can you picture what I'm saying okay. or did I describe it poorly? Uh, so I guess I was picturing this rotating bollard that you got to jump over, but I think you're talking about no. something else. No, I'm talking about like there's, there's, like, a, there's a pillar that's, that's two feet high. Then yep, one that's I, four feet high. I, yep, yep. And they're all like two feet apart. Daphne was yep. like, I want to do that. And, Is there a foam uh, pit underneath them? Nope, just the floor. Oh. But, they're, but they're on the rope. And so like, you know, if oh, you okay. fall off, then you just slowly kind of glide down. Oh, to the gotcha. Floor. Okay. Right, because you're on the rope. You're like an auto belay kind of. Yes, exactly. Yeah, an yeah, auto yeah. belay. Okay. Yes. Look at, look at you and your climbing vocabulary. Mm. your accurate climbing terminology so she got three quarters of the way up and then looks down and has a complete panic (laughs) in in which she decides that her solution is to try to tug on the auto belay so she's creating all this slack (laughs) and i'm on the other side of a fence and i'm like increasingly panicking as she has she's got like two feet three feet four feet of slack and I'm doing mental math. And I'm like, if she falls, will she like She's straight smack off the floor? Someone, an employee came, came to her um, and, oh and, and, and like helped her down. But she was, I should send, did I send you the video? I should send you the video. She was in full blow. I should post the video to our Facebook group. She you was in that complete, on video. I do have that on video. She was oh in goodness. complete and total full blown panic. Speaking of Daphne, she's, making a cameo appearance. Hi, dear. Could you close the door behind you? Thank you. <laughs> she got home from school. Did you hear her emphatically shut the door? Yeah, so so that was our, our adventure that last week. And she survived even after trying to accidentally kill herself without knowing it. So that's, that's, that's our adventure. Um, the, the, uh, the American Ninja courses uh, were really fun. Um, it's, it's a heck of a thing being an adult, having man strength. Like it was funny watching the kids like try to do that stuff. They couldn't do it. Um, but they're ahead. so light. Why can't, you know, it's some of those things are easier for them. Did you see the videos I sent you, um, where we jousted hitting each other over the head with the foam things? That was great. Yeah. So the American Ninja courses, 
Um, I mean, one thing that would have helped is um, if there would have just been simple straight paths. Um, and if, if they yeah, just filled in the valleys, filled in the valleys, that would have been yeah. helpful. If the mountains, or if the, if like the, the hills could be kind of made low, if like the crooked could be straight. Speaking of, <laughs> today's gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, some people think of religion as a thing that is helpful. They're religious because it helps them in life. It gives them order. It gives them structure in life. It maybe gives them therapeutic breakthroughs. Buddhism is, is a religion that emphasizes transcendence. It offers a chance for our minds to escape things that afflict us, be they trauma or anxiety, different things that afflict us. Buddhism and transcending the physical world is, is offers hope for some people. Islam and Hinduism, they give strict uh, rules for life. And if you follow them, there are rewards in the hereafter. Uh, and some people are Christians because they find Christianity to be helpful or therapeutic. Luke reminds us in this passage that our faith and our practice, that our religion is rooted not in, in timeless principles that help us cope with stress or trauma or anger or depression. It reminds us that our, our faith, our, our hope is based on the concrete reality of God becoming flesh. Mm. That God entered the world at a specific time and place to wit in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of, of Eteria and Trachonitis and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood is in a specific time, Kirk, <laughs> not yes. timeless truths passed on uh, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John. 
the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Each of these things he mentions, they're grounded in independently verifiable history. And we have Jewish and Roman historians who testify uh, to these facts. Uh, Jesus' ministry started in a very specific time and at a very specific place. We're, not only that, we're given the names of rulers, both secular and sacred. Caesar, in fact, would be both kind of crossing that boundary. As Romans were required to sacrifice to Caesar as, as a god, um, but we see the secular ruler, Caesar, but also these tetrarchs, the prefix tetra meaning four. Um, we talked, was that last week about, or a couple of weeks ago about Herod the Great and how um, the Herod we see, uh, I mean, Herod the Great uh, was, was king when Jesus was born, but the, uh, this Herod um, that we see here during the, the later life of Jesus was Agrippa, I'm sorry, not Agrippa, it was Antipas. Um, and as a Petrarch, he ruled um, a, a client kingdom that was much smaller. It was just, it was basically split into four and um, not just a, uh, a smaller kingdom, but Galilee, which we know was kind of the, the boondocks, right? Yeah. Kind of reminds me. Uh, so, so Israel was not in quite the place that it was with, with even like the, the client king, uh, being reduced uh, even further uh, reminds me of these words from the Magnificat that uh, Mary says he has shown the strength of his arm and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the humble and meek. It kind of reminds me of something else we discussed recently in the last couple of months, Kirk, we talked about the anointing of King David. Mm-hmm by Samuel, um, how David didn't look the part. They didn't expect him. Um, he was the runt. They, they, <laughs> they brought, you know, the, the eldest of Samuel and, and uh, they were just shocked that, 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 that wasn't the, the next King of Israel. And they're like, uh, are you, Samuel's like, are you sure you don't have any other sons? And they're like, well, yeah, we do, but just David, you know, after they went through all the other ones, yeah, just David, but he's tending the sheep. Um, did the word of the Lord, Kirk, did it come to Caesar? No. How about Herod? No. How about Annas and Caiaphas? The, surely the word of the Lord came to the high priests. Sadly, no. It came to a high priest, Zechariah. Uh, well, in this passage, it came to John. I'm ruining your, I'm ruining your role. Yes. To, to John. John. Uh, who dressed like a freak, right? You know, we see in other places, uh, he's eating locusts and wild honey. Um, John, the son of Zechariah, um, who's in the wilderness. Uh, John, not Zechariah. Zechariah, in all likelihood, is at home. But um, Christianity, Kirk, it isn't true because it's useful. We're saying Christianity is true. Praise God. It, it is also therapeutic because Jesus heals. But everything that we believe is grounded in a flesh and blood Savior who lived, who bled and died and on the third day, was raised from the dead for our sake. And he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father, where he intercedes for us. And he will come again to make all things new. And we have Jesus. Um, 
we have uh, Jesus who reigns uh, up in heaven now and will return again. Uh, and in today's passage, we have John crying out. He says, prepare the way of the Lord. You know, make straight the way of the Lord. Every mountain um, shall be made low. And then he says, he closes it, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So we're seeing the entry of God, um, God who has made man, um, Christ who humbles himself, uh, come into the world in a, in a very uh, atypical way as far as the world works. Not coming to the mighty, uh, but coming in the wilderness. And of course, the word of the Lord comes to John and this forerunner. Uh, is is not the, the the guy the guy in the temple courts, not the guy wearing the the beautiful flowing robes, but in fact, um, this humble crazy man in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. Yeah, um, I I love every year there is a Sunday or two, um, sometimes both the second and the third, but but almost always the second Sunday of Advent is. Uh, has its focus on John the Baptist. He is the principal character. And there are almost always Old Testament lessons that correspond. Um, it, it sometimes, and you could, Christopher, tell me if this is, if this is fair or accurate. Should we be saying this, that John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet? I think it's, a, it's a fun thing to say because of course he appears in the New Testament. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that, a little too cute or is there something to that i i mean he appears a voice <laughs> crying in the wilderness uh and he's crying out with the, the prophetic words of isaiah i mean i think it's fair to call him an old testament prophet yeah yep and, and uh, of course he's offering this baptism uh, of repentance a very different baptism it's all preparing the way for this new testament for this new covenant for this new thing um that god is doing right and it's fitting that we um we spend a a sunday an entire sunday of 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 the four sundays we have in advent we spent at least 25% of them um on this on this wild man um shouting prepare the way out in the wilderness um because this is the great message for us of advent right we prepare for his arrival um and and we now know with hindsight what uh he what sort of preparation and for whom he was calling his listeners to prepare for um and and so we have an advantage that his present listeners didn't have um but we also have a corresponding on our end uh, we in advent prepare our hearts for something we don't fully understand right that um he, he will come again and we don't know when and quite how it'll the, despite despite all these prophecies we have in the scriptures we don't know quite what it will look like, and we don't know when it'll happen, but yet we're called um, into a period of preparation um, during this Advent. So I, I love it. I think it's fitting that John the Baptist is, uh, is this principal character. This, Christopher, did you, did, did you bring this up and did I miss it? Um, the, the citation in verse four, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight is a reference to, or not a reference, it's a quotation of Isaiah 40, right? Um, starting in verse three. But Isaiah 40 begins with, if you like, the, if you love the Messiah, um, you'll love, uh, you, you'll recognize immediately these words, right, Christopher? The opening words of the Messiah. 
comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. Cry what? Her warfare is accomplished and her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all our sins. So even as, uh, as um, John the Baptist is calling us to a period of preparation, of repentance, right? He, he asked for people to return. It's a baptism of repentance. Uh, implied in that baptism of repentance, implied in that, that, that callback to Isaiah, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, um, is it, it, right, in, right preceding those words are comfort, comfort ye my people, right? Comfort is coming. Once you prepare in the way that John asks, comfort is coming. So, so I love that. And I made, I made fun, not made fun. I was, I was joking when I said, uh, um, if, if only in these uh, ninja, American Ninja Warrior uh, courses, could we uh, make straight the ways. But like that's striking imagery, right? Every mountain and hill will be made low. Um, yeah. the, the crooked places made straight. I, listener, I don't know where you, where you live, but I live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And Christopher, you know, there's not a straight way to anywhere right? Nope. <laughs> and um, when you look at a map and you're like, oh, as the crow flies, we're only four miles away. Well, it might still be a 15 minute ride. And, and we're in like the exurbs. I'm not, I'm not, you know, totally in the hills and in the sticks. And, and so this, this is a, a an apocalyptic prophecy that God will um, make smooth all that is wrinkled in our lives, right? So like, that's a metaphor, right? The crooked place is straight and the rough place is plain. Um, those things that have been set askew, that have been torn apart, that have that have been killed since we were banished from Eden, all that will be undone. And so it's a great prophecy. It's a great prophecy. I love it. Should we uh, should yeah. we talk about the um, the passage from Malachi as well, which is great. We yeah, got this. It's, it's funny that I mentioned that. That last week, and Kirk, I, I should say this as well, that uh, you and I in consecutive weeks have talked about the Messiah as if people know what we're talking about. We're talking about Handel's Messiah, the Oratorio. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, when we say and the, it's Messiah, not the Messiah, you know, it's Messiah, but yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that's that's what we're referring to is is, is um, pieces from this uh, greater Oratorio. Yeah. How, do, how does it go, Christopher? Uh, I'm not going to say it for you. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not falling for my bait. Yeah, but you mentioned Malachi last week, Christopher, and here we are. We've got it. We, we've, we've got this passage from Malachi, which is our Old Testament lesson. Um, uh, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit And I, I studied a, a little bit more, Kirk, about fuller's soap. So I, I could say more about that today if we haven't if we don't feel adequate with <laughs> with what you said last week you did did i did but i explain continue. what it was last week i forget i you did yeah it's it's it, it cleanses uh, impurities it, it prepares um wool um for uh being turned into uh, prepares like a sheared sheep um, yeah wool for for being a garment so yeah. it'd be it'd be very cleansing yeah mm-hmm he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, 
as in the days of old and in former years. So that's interesting, right? Like um, much of what we do that we think we offer to the Lord is unpleasant in his nostrils. That's bracing, right? <laughs> um, and this, you and I were talking before we hit record, Christopher, uh, you and I grew up with this um, kind of contemporary worship song called Refiner's Fire. And, and you had commented um, in amusement that it just struck the, it's the, was the wrong tune and had kind of the wrong totally emotional wrong. tone. Yeah. 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 It went like refiner's fire, my heart's one desire, um, which is not what refining gold and silver is like, Christopher. How is gold and silver refined? Yeah, th through a fiery, um, you know, painful process. It's, you know, my heart's one desire. Yeah, like we ought to desire, but but it, um, it's a fearsome uh, thing to consider. Yeah. So the work of Advent, um, if we actually pray for this, um, uh, and, well, and but who can endure the day of his coming, right? If we actually pray for our Lord to come back, um, of course it will be be bracing. Um, we, we yearn for it. And yet um, there is much in our souls that needs to be changed and that will be changed. And um, it will be like the impurities of gold sifted in, what is it? 800, uh, 1500 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it is, it is fiery, right? When, when that is, that is um, refined, but yeah, no, great lessons for today. Uh, great lessons for yes. today. Christopher, do you have other, th other thoughts on these? I don't. Let's, uh, sorry, my voice failed me there. Uh, I don't. Let's move on to our theology segment. Our theology segment today is a hymn study. I'm a church musician, and I love church music. And I love church music uh, of all the church year, all the liturgical year, but uniquely Advent has such a rich vein of hymnody. And oftentimes it's, uh, it's passed over in the kind of the trend of the last, I don't know how many years, 50 years, 20 years, 100 years, in making Advent a pre-Christmas season. Um, and I, I, listener, probably many of your churches, maybe most of your churches, you're already singing Christmas carols. Um, and yet there's this rich vein of Advent hymnody. Um, and I'd like to maybe think through a way of sharing with you some playlists. Um, because I, I, am, I am an Advent evangelist, as, as many of you know, and being a musician, being an Advent evangelist means <laughs> that I'm an evangelist for Advent church music. And lots of times I'll get people on board with a more thicker, richer, observed Advent with its own sets of practices and pieties and its own themes completely set apart from Christmas. Um, uh, but people will ask, well, what do I listen to? And I'm like, Advent music. And they're like, well, where do I find that? Well, one of these Advent, great Advent hymns, is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Um, it was written in 1744 by our old man, 
Charles Wesley, Christopher, back to the Wesley boys. Um, Charles Wesley, much of our hymnal was, was written by Charles Wesley, um, a, a truly inspiring and remarkable lyricist. Um, listener, if you know this, you might know it to the tomb, Hifridal. So you might know it. Come thou long expected Jesus. We um, in, in the Anglican tradition in North America sing it to a tune called Stuttgart. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. And if you're in England or in Europe, you know it to Cross of Jesus. Come thou long expected Jesus. So it has several tunes. And they're actually all, Christopher, you and I were talking about this. They're actually all pretty okay. Uh, yeah. You had mentioned, um, shocker, you have strong opinions on, on tunes to different hymns. And you said, actually, I don't necessarily have a strong opinion on this. So, so yeah, they're, they're, they're all great. Um, I know in our church, because in the 1982 Episcopal hymnal, we have Stuttgart, we sing it, we sing it to that. Um, and that's mostly, mostly what we've done. Um, so what about, enough about, the, enough about the tune. I don't want to lose you talking about the tune. Um, it was written in 19, or 1744, pardon me. <laughs> And um, Charles Wesley was actually considering Haggai um, chapter two, and he was looking at the situation of orphans in the area around him. Uh, the 18th century of England was marked by, by a, a widening class divide. And the Wesleys, though they were um, Oxford graduates and they would have spoken um, as educated, the received pronunciation of the educated class, um, they did. They, 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 interestingly, had a way of ministering to the poor, and that's really kind of where a lot of the fruit of their ministry came. And through, as he was thinking about Haggai too, um, he wrote um, these words, come thou long expected Jesus, and um, had a pair of prayer published from those words. And so the first verse goes like this, come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee and we can stop there because depending upon um, what tune you you sing the verse will will, will end or not there um, this is Christopher we've talked about this right um, the way Charles Wesley writes hymns it's hard to say what's the text um, because he uh, weaves together um, allusions to scripture from everywhere. And so I would say a couple of things. First of all, come thou long expected Jesus. That is so um, soaked in Advent. Um, and it's soaked in Luke verse two, um, chapter 38, uh, which um, that's that we're going to have that as a reading coming Luke up. Luke chapter two, verse 38. Is that? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, this is when Jesus is presented to the temple. Um, we, uh, we see, we read this. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. Right. So this is referring to the prophetess Anna, um, uh, who was waiting her whole life in the temple for the Messiah. Um, uh, someone that was long expected. Right. Do you hear that? To all those who are looking for the redemption 
of Jerusalem. So long expected, right? He's been long expected. Um, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us. Um, I mean, this is, there's a lot of scripture that talks about um, how uh, by his stripes we are healed. Um, uh, we we read that in Isaiah. From Isaiah, from the yep. suffering servant. Song. Yes, absolutely. Um, from our fears and sins release us. But you might also think, Christopher, of Hebrews chapter 2, um, verses 14 and 15. Um, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Mm. I wonder if he had that um, kind of floating in the back of his head as he wrote that, right? Might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives, right? Like, doesn't that resonate with um, from our fears and sins release us? Yeah. Yeah. And then the last, uh, the last um, line of that verse, let us find our rest in thee. Um, again, Christopher, I think maybe in Hebrews um, chapter four, um, the author of Hebrews writes, for we who have believed enter that rest. So now I don't know, but isn't that so Wesleyan to just weave like, like a symphonist, like Beethoven, weaving these biblical themes and allusions into this verse that, that is kind of bathed in this Advent theme of yearning for the, for the coming of Jesus, who will set us free from our sins and from our fears and give us rest. Right. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, on that first verse, Christopher? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's. It's interesting that you mentioned Hebrews chapter three and, and this illusion, um, which goes way deep because um, it goes back to the Psalms. Um, <laughs> so I swore my oath and anger, they shall never enter my rest. Yeah. Um, you know, we always in salvation history look back and look forward and we look back at, at um, Israel um, set free um, from bondage in Egypt and uh, kind of immediately kind of seeking to go back to say, uh, hey, remember when we were in, in Egypt? It was pretty great, wasn't it? Because, you know, we had food and, and shelter. I mean, was it so bad? Uh, many people started looking backwards um, immediately, um, building, uh, building a, a, a golden calf. Um, yeah. So many things that, that God's people did shortly after being demonstrated the power of God, um, not only in in kind of the the, the plagues uh, and and culminating in in the Passover, which uh, should have been enough, but then being saved, being passing through the waters um, of the Red Sea, um, such powerful imagery. And then uh, so so this goes way back to God's people rejecting Him, and and then finding that like um, there with but there is forgiveness with You, Lord. Yes. Um, that that we do find rest in Him, and so this is. Uh, this is rest in, in all the senses, not only um, for us to in, uh, I guess, uh, existential ways um, to, to rest in him that, that our existence is, is uh, we rest in Christ's salvation um, and what he shall do on the last day, but um, today and tomorrow and in the meantime, we rest. So we rest in Jesus, that he gives us comfort and rest 
and this is in that way uh this song captures these three uh comings of jesus we talked about uh yes. last week as far as these three themes um you know the first coming come thou long expected jesus so we can think of those who are who are waiting for jesus um to come in his first coming um we uh as you and i wait for his second coming and uh, i mean i'm i'm just briefly going to jump to the third verse um rule in all our hearts alone yeah he's talking about jesus coming uh that middle um coming right where, where mm-hmm. um jesus enters our heart um where, where uh he is the savior of the world but uh that's something that each of us uh, need to find salvation in um in a very personal way that a lot of people um prior either what, what when they come back to jesus or when they first become a christian whatever the case may be uh, it's this realization that Jesus died for them, that this promise is for them uh, it, it personally. Um, it's not just these general things that Jesus did for the world, but people kind of realize that this applies to them. This, I've heard personal testimonies about that where, you know, this, this became very personal. And, and that's John Wesley's um, conversion, right? That, yeah. um, that I, I realized that, you know, these words of Galatians, that, that he died for me. Yes. Yes. Very good point. Verse two, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. So Israel's strength and consolation, Christopher, my mind leaps immediately to Luke two again, um, where we read of uh, Simeon in the temple, right? So there's this man in Jerusalem, his name is Simeon, he's righteous and devout, and he is looking for the consolation of Israel, right? He's looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So that first line, Israel's strength and consolation, right? We're singing of the one that Simeon recognizes at that moment in the temple. Um, Israel's strength, also Israel's strength. Uh, I mean, we, we read elsewhere that um, of, of the coming Messiah and the prophets, um, that the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. We read of a lion of Judah, right? So there is, there is that prophetic imagery of strength as well, right? Um, hope of all the earth thou art. I mean, isn't hope a great theme of the Old Testament prophets? Um, I think several times, uh, I think we read, don't we read in Jeremiah where he's, he's called, O hope of Israel, it's savior in time of distress. Um, so I think that that is bathed in scripture. We also read in the new Testament, right? Um, that, uh, that again, going back to Simeon, Simeon says, um, uh, Lord, now let us, let us now thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before all people to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel, right? So we have hope of all the earth. We have Israel and the Gentiles, right? So when Wesley writes, hope of all the earth thou art, um, yeah, he is the hope for all people, Um, not just um, a certain race or people from the Mediterranean or Europeans or anybody. He is the hope of all the earth. And then we get to the Haggai, um, passage, Christopher Haggai 2.7, dear desire of every nation. 
Um, I didn't realize this, Christopher, until just a few minutes before you and I pressed record. Um, as I was looking up, I, 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 I'd read that Haggai 2.7 was um, kind of the inspiring verse that started him writing this poem. Christopher, this is, Haggai 2.7 is, is, is in so much of, from Bach to our hymnal, it's in so much of what we sing for Advent. Do you know what, um, what Haggai calls the Messiah? desire of all the nations mm. because and i will shake all the nations and the desire of all the nations shall come uh i didn't know that right so the first intro that we sing every every year for the first sunday of advent is um savior of the nations come um which bach sent that set that to music a bunch of time um and sometimes that's translated desire of all the nations yeah dear desire of every nation. Isn't that interesting, Christopher, that every nation desires him, even if they don't know it, right? I think that's interesting. Sounds like Augustine, right? Yes. Yeah. Who wrote, um, our hearts are restless until they run thee. Yeah. So so all restlessness, or who was it? Was it G.K. Chesterton that said, um, every man that knocked on a brothel's door is actually looking for, actually looking for Jesus? Right, like mm-hmm. our hearts, our hearts are thirsty. They're they're unfulfilled. They're restless. They lash out. Um, we we look for satiation in in strange and sinful places, um, but actually, the desire of every nation, the desire of every heart, is Him. And the last line, right, joy of every longing heart. Um, I don't, I, I I don't know. I guess that would probably be this as well, right? Desire of every nation. Um, I don't know. Does any does any scriptural allusion leap out to you there, Christopher? I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. Yeah. None left out to me there. I would let you know if, if it did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next verse. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Oh my gosh. There's so much here, right? So born thy people to deliver. I've, I've been kind of monologuing a little bit. Christopher, um, do you see any immediate scriptural allusions here? Don't put me in the spot. I'll let you know if I okay. find some. All right. <laughs> okay. What, what's, what is the scripture that you see there? Um, uh, so right in Galatians, St. Paul um, writes that um, he might redeem uh, uh, we who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, right? So deliverance, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so much, <laughs> so much prophecy of deliverance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, born a child and yet a king, that's Isaiah, right? For unto us, a child is born, unto us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, um, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, right? So we have a child and yet a king, right? For a child is born to us, and yet he shall be called Prince of Peace. I think that's that's probably what's going on there. Also, of course, in Matthew, right, the Magi, um, they see a star, and they are looking for a king. A king, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's 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 that as well. Um, I guess you could maybe maybe John and John's passion. Um, when Pilate asks him, so, so are you a king? And Jesus says, do you say correctly? I am a king. 
So, I mean, Jesus himself uh, confesses that he's a king in John's gospel. Uh, do, you, do you have any, any, other, any other thoughts on that line? King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, yes. I, I mean, you don't have a kingdom without a king. I mean, we, right. um, yeah, it's the New Testament is is rife with um, mm. this language. Of yeah. course, the you know the kingdom is is shaped differently. We talk about it being upside down, um, but Jesus none nonetheless a king. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, that's an example of its upside downness, right? That that a child shall lead them, right? A child is the king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. I mean, that's what you were talking about, the, the, the threefold coming, coming once, coming in our hearts, and coming again in the clouds on the, on the I last day. I mean, it's the day. first four, rule in all our hearts alone. But but yeah, yeah we see it again here. Born yeah. to reign in us forever, reign in us, right? He, he has a kingdom mm -hmm. in our, he, he has a kingdom in our hearts as well, right? Last verse, by thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone, as you just alluded. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Uh, what do you what do you see here, Christopher? So, as I mentioned, that, that um, middle coming coming in our hearts. Yeah. Um, but these last last two lines, by thy all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Um, the only reason that we can long for, um. Christ's return is by his sufficient merit um, that uh, otherwise this would be a fearsome uh, coming because he comes in glory and he comes in justice. As we say in the creed, you uh, come again to judge the living and the dead. Uh, and and uh, it's by, by his merits that um, we are able to be raised to his glorious throne and, and that we can see him face to face. Um, right now we are, uh, Sin separates us, um, and uh, on that day, though, um, we have this beautiful vision in Revelation 21 that that uh, I find myself thinking of during Advent, this vision where a voice from the heavens declares, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. You know, that, that, that this in-between stuff, um, you know, so Adam and Eve were created with fellowship with God, right? And it's it's through sin um, that that the relationship was was uh, was changed ultimately, and where we can't see God face to face, where we can't be with Him, um, and uh, but we will return one day and see Him face to face, um, and uh, His dwelling place, in fact, isn't far away, but is with us, and so we have this new Jerusalem descending from the heavens in Revelation twenty one. Uh, and we've got this glorious end in mind that he will wipe away every tear. Uh, I mean, there's much more there of, of beautiful language of like the good things of the kingdom. That's, that's not coming to my mind right now, but, um, he'll wipe away every tear. Like all these things are in the past. Um, you don't happen to have that, um, up, do you? What's that? Revelation 21. I, I, I don't I'm just, I'll, I'll I'm just stalling. I'm stalling so I can pull it up, Kirk. Okay. The, the former things, uh, I believe it says, uh, death shall be no more. There shall be, uh, there, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is beautiful mm. vision. Yes. Um, the, 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 the dwelling place of God is with man, that he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Um, it's it's a, a gorgeous uh, vision of, of what is to come. Um, 
And so I would commend to you Revelation 21, as well as all the other scriptures uh, we've mentioned today. Yeah. You, you know what else just, um, you know what else I think um, might have been floating in the back of Charles Wesley's mind is in Ephesians 2, and this was always something that, that I didn't know what to make of. Um, verse, let's see, um, verse 5, well, starting in verse, verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the very last line of that hymn, raise us to thy glorious throne. Mm. That's kind of mystical because it's all present tense language, isn't it? Right. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, it's, it, that's not apocalyptic. That's not on the last day when we, at the resurrection of the dead, um, there, there's almost a, a, a present sense. And so, I mean, that, that, might be another conversation for another time i don't know what that means but that's that's mystical and encouraging right by then all sufficient yeah. merit raise us to thy glorious throne well it's, it's a prayer um by your by christ's merit lord um lord i i would i would say this is not far off from oh come quickly um, yeah raise us raise us lord yeah i find it notable um advent advent is thick with theology, right? So we ask people to sit with Advent and sit with these themes of, of prophecy and Christ coming and fulfilling all that, which was ripped apart in the Garden of Eden. Uh, and, and Christmas people get in their gut, right? God became a baby. Um, that means that all the pain in my life was worth it because God found it worthwhile to be one of us, right? The incarnation is kind of a gritty thing. People get that. But Advent is more to be prayed with and contemplated with. It's um, more, more, more thicker and, and I don't know, it's like, a, it's like hearty bread. It's, it takes longer to chew on <laughs> prayerfully and theologically. Does that make any sense? I'm just looking at all, all of these different prophecies and passages as we've been going through this. There's a lot here. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to to wrestle with. But I mean, it's as with all things in Christ, there is unbelievable um, depth and breadth uh, to it. You know, if we were to just sit and contemplate and study and um, enrich our minds. But um, Jesus is also uh, accessible to the um, to the cognitively um yes. delayed um yes uh, the and, and to the simple to and and for and for jesus accessible um for the people who are hurting so much that it's it's hard to um and, and so the people who are hurting or cognitively delayed um they can grasp this idea of of hope being in, in yes. found outside of ourselves in yes. jesus and um that's just another a bit of god's goodness that um that he is for um uh for everyone especially the lowly and, and they, that, um, yeah, we're invited to this great, great feast. Um, and uh, he comes to us where we are. So whether you're able to grasp the depth of, of the riches uh, of his grace uh, or, or just maybe grasp it just a little bit of knowing that you're in a, 
a, a world that where entropy reigns, where things are yeah. falling apart and there's trauma and pain and abuse and all these bad things we know and we hope for um, the end uh, of it and for justice. Um, yeah. You know, what just occurred to me. So for, for much of the culture, consider this the Christmas season in which you're supposed to be happy and have all the good mm -hmm. feels and um, joy, sing joy. Uh, and and, and ad, an observed Advent actually allows you to be more honest because mm -hmm. it allows you to say, I'm busy, I'm frazzled, and I'm grouchy. Um, and, uh, and, and to acknowledge um, the pain and despair and, um, and disintegration in your life because of this theme of hope, um, that, that there is one who will wipe all tears away and he will come in the clouds one day. Yeah, so in some ways, yeah, I, I agree. It, it has a healing simplicity um, that speaks yeah. to, the, to the truth of pain in our lives. Yeah, and so you don't have to pretend to be like, um, uh, uh, what's that? not not naughty <laughs> like uh, I, I was looking at a, a not not my daughter's but but a friend's christmas list um that she brought home from school <laughs> and it had her check like it had her check a box it said um, this year i have been and you could check naughty or nice <laughs> oh, like boy. so the secular Chris, christmas um you got to check the nice box and like you're joyful mm. and bells are ringing and the world is full of tinsel and that's not the reality of our souls oftentimes in December. So in Advent, we can be more honest and say, no, I am naughty. And I need, need a savior that will come and cleanse me with a refiner's fire. Mm. Amen. Kirk, that <laughs> seems like a great conclusion to me. Love it. Shall we pray? Let's do it. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in, your, in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Almighty God. Give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week. <laughs>